0: to another Cat's Cradle, the show within a show where we talk about games and game design and designing them and podcasts. And I have never written an intro for it and I do not intend to attend to. Attending to me this week, (laughs) we have my usual babysitter, Kathleen. Hi there. Irresponsible enough to give me knives even though I am the baby. It's Kirsten.
1: (laughs) Yep. I'm the opposite of a babysitter. (laughs)
0: And currently on loan from a very mysterious extradimensional library, it's Ziva. Hi, thanks so much for having me on, y'all. This is a delight. If you do not know Ziva, it's because you don't listen to the Eternity Archives. And you should. It's pretty great. I firmly believe it is. I'm a big fan. I like it. Reminds me, I
2: need to, new episode came out today. I need to catch up. Playing Wild Sea. I have been excited for Wild Sea for forever. Wild (laughs) Sea is so good. It's so good.
3: I'm not on to talk about Wild Sea, but it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I've heard nothing but good things. And so far it's being described in a lot of the same terms as my own arc on the Eternity Archives. Mostly the dreaded C word, cozy, which, yes, correct. I don't know why I said dreaded. It's my vibe, but regardless. (laughs) Ziva is here because Ziva is helping us put together the Rainbow Roll Fest, this Pride. And we're here to talk a little bit about what makes a queer actual play, what representation means in the actual play community, and about kind of our goals with this festival. What is the Rainbow Roll Fest? Well, during Pride 2022 that's June 18th to 19th, 2022, we will be inviting queer actual play creators to showcase their work over a two-day live stream. Creators are going to get a choice between showing us a screening, doing a live episode, or just doing audience Q&A. Whatever they think is going to best showcase their charms to the audience. There's not going to be any awards or competitions or anything. This is just a chance for people to find new listeners and for listeners to find new shows. And we're so excited for it. So I guess I'd like to start with recently, as you might know, because none of us will ever shut up about it. We won some awards at the New Jersey Web Festival. So did the Eternity Archives. We made a big deal of it. We did a whole sibling thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. You remember. It wasn't even that long ago. Don't. Come on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Ziva and Darka and I and some people we met there all hung out at the New Jersey Web Fest and it was a great time. It really was.
3: A, it was very fun to meet people in person because uh, I don't know if you know this listeners, but um, most podcasts are done on the internet. And we don't always actually get to see
2: each other. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, And it was also just like very cool to like get to go and hear a whole bunch of new shows and get to know some folks whose work I wasn't familiar with but it ended up being really awesome work made by really awesome folks.
2: Yeah, it was great all around. And just hanging out with other people who do the thing that you do can be just really invigorating.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a very like creative and encouraging space.
2: Reminds
0: me of the writers conventions I go to, or at least I used to pre-COVID. I love a space where you're surrounded by people with the same passion for the same art as you. It's just electric.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like um, sometimes podcasts, especially Let's Play podcasts, get kind of shuffled aside as like the fun little side project you do. And they're not always sort of considered seriously as an art form. Which, you know, some of them are more fiction versus more just like hanging out with your friends. But I know I'm preaching to the choir with this one. Um, You can absolutely make gorgeous fiction with your podcasts and having people present their podcasts as art and then discussing podcasts as an art form was just really wonderful. Podcasts as a medium are just so powerful and there's so much opportunity to tell really great stories with them.
0: I agree absolutely entirely. And that's part of why we're doing the Rainbow Roll Fest I decided ages ago, a million years ago, forever ago, I'm older than I look, that I was just super into watching speedrun marathons. I love GDQ, AGDQ, Frame Fatales. I love them all. And I wanted to bring that kind of energy for podcasting because it's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) So um, I drafted up a proposal for the Rainbow Roll Fest But wasn't really able to get any traction with anybody else. And I got distracted, as I tend to do.
2: There was kind of a lot going on in 2020 and 2021. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after the New Jersey Web Fest, Ziva approached me and was like, hey, let's let's unearth this. Let's undistract you. And let's focus on making this uh, a reality. And I was so glad, so excited. We're about to close for volunteer submissions. We're not far from opening for show submissions. So look forward to that. I do.
3: Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. I cannot wait to see what people sent us. I know, I know. So I
0: suppose my next question is like, what does being in an actual play podcast mean to you? And what is it that makes actual play special? Kirsten, we haven't heard from you yet,
1: please. For me, what makes it special is that it feels like I am sitting around a table playing with my friends, but then there's other people in the living room able to just like hang out and um, enjoy the story too. And it's just, so it's sort of a unique way to tell stories and it kind of blends that fun and art that we were talking about. So that I think is what makes it really special to me is that it's intimate, I guess. So, it's good that you brought
0: up podcasting as art because in pursuit of your art, you recently did something very exciting. Kirsten, please tell everyone.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, yes, I I did go to study acting, including some voice acting, uh, yeah. which I found very helpful because there's a lot of things that I didn't realize that were just so integral to the foundation that I had no clue was out there. And then just even just simple things to kind of help realize, oh, you know, just like basic story structure, basic character connection. It it helped open my eyes to how much there is out there in creating stories and creating full characters and creating that together with people in real time.
0: First of all, We're absolutely rooting for you. We are so proud of you, Kirsten. Thank you. Second of all, that was excellent. I agree entirely. There's a lot to getting our stories out there. And speaking of getting our stories out there, Ziva, Kathleen, we're members of the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. We are queer people. We're getting our stories out there. And that's what Rainbow Roll Fest is also about.
3: Yeah, I think one of the things about podcasts that also really appeals to me, and this goes extra for queer podcasts, is that it's still a very like democratic and independent scene. It's sort of like the early days of YouTube of like you need very little equipment to get started and bing, bang, boom, you're a content creator. And there's something really to be said about that combined with the queer experience because just by the nature of being a queer person working in a medium that's still really independent and really democratic, you can tell your stories and they they look really different than mainstream stories and they can take on lots of different flavors of queerness and your queer experience. And I think that that's really wonderful. You don't have to pitch your story to someone and then they mold it and figure out how to fit it in the box that the network has for queer stories you can just be like hey here's this thing i'm making listen to it and you know see who it resonates with
2: mm-hmm. well and one of the things that we found at the new jersey web fest is that while we're talking about queer ap here specifically even the shows that we encountered some of the people that we met that aren't like specifically being like hey we're an lgbt cast like, are pretty gay? <laughs> like, there was this one night um, we were all hanging out after the show at a mixer and sort of a whole table got together that ended up being like this mini actual play convention. And as talking went on, it was like, wow, we have just such a diverse mix of experiences all together just sitting here coming from all over the actual play scene. I've always described role-playing games as sort of putting on a little play for you and your friends and taking that and expanding that out into this whatever, like, modern content creation mindset we can go back and forth on, but that you have a structured storytelling medium allows you to tell really interesting, really personal things that you might not get to otherwise. Because as you were saying, Ziva, one of the things about actual play is that not only is the equipment relatively easy to get to, that you're working in a primarily improvised medium. I mean, I know that some actual play shows like plan things out more than, say, we do on Sword of Symphonies, for instance, but... That you're improvised, you have accessible for an amateur level technology requirements means that you can really do something unique and personal and interesting that expresses a lot about who you are and who your friends are.
0: Yeah. Ziva said something that absolutely cut me to my core, which I've been kind of struggling to to get my words in place for, is that you don't have to pitch to anybody. And uh, as people who know me well know... I was a novelist for a long time and I've written a lot of short fiction, but I was never able to sell a novel because the process of pitching to agents was excruciating for me and also very challenging because uh, I can be very contrarian and I do just like to tell my own kind of stories in my own way. And it was vulnerable and viscerally very punishing and vaguely humiliating and... I had not thought of that in connection with podcasting until Ziva just mentioned it. But yeah, I don't have to pitch sort of symphonies to anybody. I occasionally have to pitch an idea to my friends. That's easy. They have to do what I say. I'm in charge. <laughs> well, that's, that's, like, that's definitely, uh, I think uh, that that is something that's very, very beautiful about podcasting is that you're both right. You're all right. It's It's a matter of just like, picking up the microphone, recording a file, ideally learning the basics, you can shove it out the door. Bob's your proverbial uncle. It's a really valuable venue in that regard, I think. And one thing that we've learned, I I think you'll agree on the Be Gay, Roll Dice Network, is that representation and the ways in which people seize that opportunity to get their stories out there is so dramatically different from show to show especially in the AP space, which is so, so collaborative.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things about actual play, that that collaborative nature, that just really appeals to me. And it's yeah. it's one of the reasons that um, when I get the opportunity to hop on a Network Sibling show, um, thanks again, y'all, that I'm always <laughs> oh, like so delighted to welcome. do it, is that I love hopping on and seeing how other people work together and to get to sort of like jump into that diff- different space and play with a different table. But with that, you know, familiar grounding of queer actual play. Um, sorry, that's a yeah. little bit of an aside, but um, but oh, yeah. actual plays are collaborative and that's really wonderful, especially when, um, when the tables, you know, are going to be a safe space or at least as much of a safe space as tabletop tables generally are. I just had a really
0: hilarious thought. And that is that, In the absence of our casts, in the absence of Nick and Kathleen and Kirsten and Dorka and Babby, Ziva and I would, in solitary, like working alone, probably produce pretty similar podcasts because we're both cotton candy people who like unicorns a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's just a gorgeous testament to how a podcast is a reflection of the dynamic of the people creating it as much as it is of any one person, how different Sort of symphonies in the Eternity Archives are. Indeed.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we are very
0: different shows. I'm always up to unicorn post in the T Discord, no
3: matter <laughs> what anyone else says. <laughs> it's like 50 50 uh, unicorns and Garfields in there. <laughs> Yeah, but the Garfields are posted
0: at you, not yeah, for
2: you. Yeah, no, no, it's more, much more aggressive. <laughs> yes, you have to keep the Linda game like fresh and dynamic and sort of surprised. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep that energy. <laughs> you can't let Linda lose her edge. Nope, you can't. Nope, gotta, gotta keep her on her feet with new
3: horrible Garfields. <laughs> Kathleen, you said something earlier about New Jersey Web Fest. You mentioned that when we sort of got together with our mini little actual play group, that there was a lot of diversity of queer experience and a lot of um, a lot of queer folks, even among podcasts who did not market themselves that way, that that wasn't the niche they were trying to occupy. And I think that's another thing that I think is really um, meaningful to me about the queer actual play scene, which is that. Holy hell, y'all. The tabletop scene has become so queer over time. And especially in the last like five to 10 years, queer tabletop creators have exploded like all over, like whether you're a a podcaster or a reviewer or an artist or a game designer or a writer or whatever you do there's a good chunk that a lot of your colleagues are queer. And so it's one of the reasons that I feel like queer actual play is great is that we get the opportunity to contribute to this very queer community and sometimes highlight games by queer creators, at least. Uh, I mean, obviously on sort of symphonies um, that's what your podcast is built around. Y'all are doing that. And on the eternity archives, it's always a delight when we get to showcase uh, games by independent queer creators.
0: Like, it's not for everybody as the intros make abundantly clear but i really enjoyed the dungeon bitches arc for that i thought it was really gorgeous and moving that an independent queer creator said the eternity archive will get me <laughs> <laughs> and actually approached you guys i i think that's amazingly amazingly beautiful
3: <laughs> yeah i um i was i was very honored and touched um and it was a really different arc for us because normally we keep it pretty light and fluffy um and that one was like a different side of queer storytelling, but I felt it was a really great opportunity and I really enjoyed doing it.
0: I mean, it was Bappy's pain train and the two of you were just kind of riding. (laughs) 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 they, They just seem to have such fun with dark stories.
1: Okay, so now
0: let's see. The reason we're holding the Rainbow Roll Fest is all of the things we've just said. About representation, about what AP podcasting means to us, about what fun it is to meet other people who engage in the same art as you, and what fun it is to kind of mutually hype up an art form that you're passionate about. I mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to be mentioning it probably a couple more times. We're opening for submissions midway through February on the 15th, we're closing March 31st. This is 2022. If you're listening to this past March thirty first, twenty twenty two, oh geez,
3: I'm sorry, ooh, rough one, ooh. But you should come and attend the festival and listen yes. to all the wonderful shows, and then apply next year.
1: Uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna be like, there's also yeah, twenty twenty three,
2: yeah. And <laughs> if you're really far in the future, maybe there are vods. Maybe I'm not VODs. really sure how Twitch works. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Hopefully.
0: This isn't just an event for the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. This is an event for basically anyone we can find who's interested in telling those personal stories. Actually, here's a... Okay, let's open some cans and see what worms we find. What do you suppose makes a story queer? Or what do you suppose makes queer stories uh, unique and important?
3: I have to like, I have to like meditate on this one a little bit. Have I found worms in the can? Are there <laughs> worms inside this can I've opened? So I tend to personally, um, and, and jump in y'all, I don't mean to uh, to monopolize here. You're our guest, talk all you like. So I personally tend to feel like what makes stories queer can be answered in a couple of different ways. Like you have Um, like maybe like what makes stories like marketably queer, like what would get it filed under the like queer fiction part at the library. But I think sort of at the end of the day that what makes stories queer is stories by queer people that resonate with them and with other queer people. And that's sort of how I tend to feel like there are definitely stories that resonate with me that are not, well, this is a perfect example. Um, Wheel of Time is not written by a queer person, And it's not necessarily inherently queer. There's definitely some things about the way the queer relationships are presented that are very icky, but there's parts of that story that really resonate with me anyway. And that's not, sorry, that's actually a bad example and does not necessarily relate directly to what I say, what I said. I
0: don't think it's a bad example at all because I think that for a very long time, there wasn't really such a thing as queer media. Like there... There was, I mean, Oscar Wilde has been around since Oscar Wilde was around. But for the most part, mainstream media is not demonstrably queer containing queer characters and unproblematic treatment of queer people in relationships. But queer people have always existed. Which means the media that resonates with us is not always going to be the kind of media that we would produce or the kind of media that reflects our experiences. When I was a child, my go-to stories were ancient stories because those are really sexless and I'm asexual. But like to this day, Lord of the Rings resonates with me intensely as just a story that is not about sex and romance and is just about doing the right thing and and coming together. And uh, well, I wouldn't describe it as a queer story. It's one that has a lot of resonance in my ace little heart. So I I don't actually think that's a bad example, Ziva.
3: I lost my train of thought there a little bit, but um, but yeah, I think I think that's that you said it much more eloquently than me. But yes, I think um that there are definitely stories that resonate with us that aren't queer stories, but also that the amount of stories that are told by queer people now for an audience of queer people has massively expanded.
2: I would absolutely agree with that, and. The modern landscape is really interesting because we have space for sort of big, pulpy pop novels like Gideon the Ninth and that whole novel series. But the thing to me that is a throughput from 19th century and 20th century queer literature through today that... I think is something that appeals to me personally is a lot of it is very interested in just taking deep, deep looks at a person and how they live their life and really getting to embody a character. And I think that that's something that actual play can do pretty well. I think that's something that podcasts can do pretty well. As a performer, you are responsible for a character and you really get to engage with their psychology and bring to life what makes them tick. And a lot of my favorite queer media has that as a big driving aesthetic element in it. Sometimes for big, big questions about one's place in society, especially a lot of the, like, early 20th century stuff. But even some of the like silly pulpy lesbian vampire novels I read in high school have that element of like, well, who the heck am I? And how does that fit in with the world around me? And like I said, actual play is a really good fit for that kind of story. A lot of fantasy stories fit into that sort of hero's journey paradigm, that sort of like uh, shonen, shoujo anime place where you have often young characters or characters who are developing something about themselves, or other fantasy stories are about sort of hard-bitten characters who are trying to survive in a hostile world and... There is something that I think is often resonant for LGBT people in those sorts of narratives. Being able to address your axes of marginalization through storytelling, through collaborative storytelling in particular, brings out energies I really, really like. Yeah.
0: I think that one very interesting kind of tangent to what you've just described is the freedom that actual play and that role play gives a person to inhabit an idealized or dramatized or completely different self. And I think that there's something almost kind of innately queer about being like, no, I'm not this person. I'm a huge buff snake man and I'm here to make friends. And... It's not an exclusively queer experience, but I think it's one that resonates with a lot of queer people trying to find their place in the world. And so role playing is just an amazing vector for people to explore a character who may or may not be themselves and explore that character's role in the world and in interpersonal dynamics at enough remove that it's less raw, maybe.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think something that's come up in both the, the Kathleen, your explanation was was really, really lovely and I feel like hit the nail on the head and and said a lot of things that um I sort of had in little bits and pieces at the back of my head but couldn't pull together. But something that both Kat and Kathleen have mentioned that I think is really important is that queer stories aren't inherently stories about queer romance which I think um, is something that in the mainstream tends to get lost is that we don't consider them queer stories unless they involve queer romance. And um, I think that's another place where mediums like podcasts and like actual plays can be really powerful is that you can explore all the aspects of being queer. You don't just have to jump into like, oh, you know that this character is queer. This is a two hour movie. This is all we have. You know that they're queer because of their romance. Um, And like, you know, in like the mainstream, like, LGB version of, of queer instead of like, you know, the full spectrum of what that looks like and and all the different ways that that manifests in your life. And um, I think it's really important that queer stories do not have to inherently be romance stories. And there are many stories outside of just that sphere.
0: I, I like that a lot. And I think maybe that's another kind of unique strength of podcasts as a medium is uh, honestly the amount of time you spend with them. Like, probably the gayest character I think I've ever seen in an actual play I've been on. Aki's character from the last arc of the Deimos Paradox. <laughs> literally gave off gay vibes. Literally, literally exuded gay energy. This was a plot point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> but while this character did end up involved in a queer romance, that wasn't what made it a queer character. (laughs) It was the amount of time we spent with her, getting to know her, and the many facets she contained, part of which was a desire for a queer romance, but much of which was just plain being gay. And I think that in a more truncated medium, that wouldn't have been possible. And this magnificent character, Sovereign, would have been kind of a, an afterthought or even a parody. But we got to spend enough time with her that she was just a hyper gay from future space and a very beautiful one at that. <laughs> I want to be a hyper gay from future
2: space. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> Why we're excited for the Rainbow Roll Fest is we're going to get to see some hyper from future space that we've never encountered before. We're <laughs> going to see some like hyper from past fantasy that we've never seen before.
0: <laughs> hyper from all eras, really.
2: <laughs> from all eras, from all walks of life, and end a, a big web stream. Another. You know, and they don't all have to be hyper gays,
0: because now that I think about it, like, we have some gays on Sword of Symphonies. This is unsurprising. What? There's gays on this podcast? There's gays on this podcast. (laughs) But for the most part, actually, until the session we recorded like two weeks ago, (laughs) there's been only the vaguest hintings of queer romance. Mm Mm-hmm. We did get to we did get to play a first date listener, and if you're listening to this before you listen to it, it's a good date. It's nice, <laughs> and we have another character who is bisexual and who uh, mostly just what loves milfs.
1: The the cool thing is, I didn't know Penelope was bisexual off the top. The more time I spend with her, and then. Meeting wolf fun stuff like it's it's something I discovered, like you know what I mean yeah. it wasn't just like a a, th- a list I put down
2: it's like, wait, oh shit, Penelope does in fact have a huge crush on this pirate lady,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's she also has a huge crush on this extremely obnoxious artist boy, yes, yeah. Penelope contains multitudes, mhm. And that's, I think that's the other thing that I like. It's just uh, because of the length of an AP podcast, if sort of symphonies were being made into like a movie or even a novel, you'd pretty much just have one romantic interest and you'd just go and you'd chase that down and you'd tell your love story and you'd be out. But because we've seen Penelope over the course of two seasons, Penelope can have crushes. Yeah. We've got time for crushes.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And- Penelope is, you know, still learning about the world and all the people she's meeting cuz she's 19. We're going to figure out when when her birthday is. I I don't actually but listener, if you're <laughs> listening later, she may have turned 20 already. Anyway, she's still there's <laughs> there's still a lot in the in the world that she's discovering and that's really fun for me because I'm discovering it with her, which is really cool.
0: And different shows also have different approaches. I virtually guarantee you that at Rainbow Roll Fest there's gonna be a show that is just explicitly a gay romance. I I want it very badly.
3: Oh, almost definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly excited to see the full breadth of what queer AP looks like outside of our little space we've made at BK Roll Dice, which already has a really good breadth of queer actual play shows. And I'm really excited to see what it looks like in the big wider world, like what sort of stories people are telling and how their queerness influences that sto- those stories and who are they telling those stories to? And how are they telling those stories? Even though queer actual play sounds like a really small niche, there's still so much room for variety and for beautiful and fascinating storytelling in that space.
0: I would like to close everyone off with a question. I think we're going to answer a question and then we're going to bid goodnight to our beloved listener. And my question is, what's on your wish list for Rainbow Roll Fest? What are you hoping to see? I'm going to start because I have the same wish list item I have always. Whether I am editing an anthology, The Dame Was Trouble, it's an excellent anthology. Whether I am hosting a game jam or whether I'm helping to organize a podcast festival, I want cyberpunk and I want the good shit. <laughs> None of this laser katanas working for the corpo shit. I mean actual cyberpunk. Like, what it's like to be a dirtbag in the future because the world is garbage. I I love good cyberpunk, and I have nothing but disdain for the cheap imitation stuff. So if somebody brings me a good, super gay cyberpunk podcast, I will be over the moon.
1: I'm always a fan of really cool, atmospheric, psychological horror. That's my jam. That's always super fun. There's some really cool experiences that can happen through that. So yeah, I think that'd be something really, really neat to discover. I think I
3: would really like stories about gay witches. Mm. And this is not a huge surprise for those of you who have ever seen me on Twitter yelling about gay witches, but I love (laughs) gay witches. And so I would really like a podcast, not that has a gay witch, but a podcast that has a bunch of gay witches that are hanging out and going on adventures together. That's my wish.
2: And I'm going to give the kind of squishy answer and say that I'm really hoping to see some good conversations to see people in the chat, being there for other shows, or just maybe getting to see some new things that I haven't seen before, and maybe finding something that I'm just excited to listen to that I wasn't expecting.
3: Aww, mm. that's a great answer. That's an
2: extremely diplomatic answer. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair <laughs> like I, I called myself out at the beginning you did. of it, but you like I'm, did. but like I'm legitimately that I'm legitimately hoping for that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, because I think having conversations about what representation means to us and about uh, what it means to be uh, putting out media as queer people and to be putting out queer media as queer people is a conversation that shouldn't just be limited to this episode of this podcast, but that we should be having together as a community. And I hope Rainbow Roll Fest is going to facilitate that.
3: Absolutely. I hope so.
1: I was just gonna say that kind of brings... A little bit back to what makes podcasts so cool is that you have this real-time interaction with the community. So like you can be experiencing things together, well, in real time or in in future time if you're like watching later on, which is also cool that you can like, it, yeah, there's just so much you can do. But yeah, you you have this built-in experience of togetherness, which is... Amazing.
0: Speaking of togetherness, I think the time has come for us to part. So the first thing I would like to say is, Ziva, thank you so much for joining us on short notice to talk about the festival.
3: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I am um, incredibly enthusiastic about Rainbow Roll Fest. I'm a big fan of sort of symphonies, and I'm just very happy I got to join you all tonight. Thanks so much for having me.
1: It was lovely.
0: I mean... It's entirely mutual because I'm a big fan of the Eternity Archives. So <laughs> if you want to hear more Ziva, as we've mentioned countless times, and I will say again, you can find Ziva on the Eternity Archives, on Twitter, at The Archives Pod. It is a, a different vibe from Sword of Symphonies and a very good one. Um, a lot more kind of... Uh, Intense, but yet light and humorous. And it's hard to describe. Anyway, you'll love it. Go listen. Um, Thank you for listening to This Cat's Cradle with us. As always, we appreciate you coming out to support us and to listen to us and to be part of this conversation. If you are interested in the Rainbow Roll Fest, you can find us on Twitter at Rainbow Roll Fest. Like I mentioned before, submissions are going to be opening up February 15th. And the festival itself is going to be held June 18th to 19th, 2022. Keep your eyes out for it. You can find us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs, or you can get a hold of us via the web form at peachgardengames.com. You can find us both on the Heroic Discord, which is in our pinned tweet on Twitter, or the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord, where you can also find Ziva. Lots of great people are hanging out there. You're going to love it. Listener, we will catch you next time.
1: Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.
3: Be gay. Roll dice
4: an LGBTQIA Actual Play podcast network. Board of D&D? Want to try something else? Why not check out Control Group? We test systems so you don't have to. Using our patented mini campaigns along with one-shots, we test how far you can stretch systems with our unique ideas and broad storytelling. Our mission statement is to give a voice to those not often heard in the TTRPG community. So whether it be a system you've never heard of or our testers being people of color, people on the LBGTQIA spectrum. We want to make sure our stories are broad, vast, and told from different perspectives. So whether you want classic role-playing or just big goofs, come listen to us try out systems, some of which we've even made ourselves. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or head over to controlgrouppod.com. That's CTRL, just like the key on your keyboard. There you can find the systems we test, along with easily accessible PDFs. So check us out if you're into Monster of the Week, Passion de Passionist, A Saw of Fire and Ice, Blazers and Feelings, Gunsight, Void Worlds, Wizards and Wands, Stranded, Interstitial, The Last Shonen, and so much more!